Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Derek with the message. I'm going to warn you up front. Um, I have a manuscript that I feel compelled to not use. That means this will either be really short or really long. And we're not really sure which as we start. Um, But last week I had COVID. And some of you will pray that I never get COVID again. Or you'll pray that I have COVID every week. One of the two. I watched the live stream. So while you all were here, I was watching the live stream. And as the person that I am, I think my wife thinks a lot of times, why are you the way that you are? As the person that I am... I wrote down all of these things that I was going to show up here and we're going to fix this and we're going to do that. And I noticed this thing and this is out of order and that's in and we're going to fix all of these things. Danny even probably didn't really appreciate me last week because in the middle of the the service, I was texting him. I was like, hey, the live stream is off by like two seconds. And he's like, what do you want? (laughs) Sorry. So anyway, all of you that got text messages from me in the middle of the service last week, I apologize. But I came away with this long list of the things that I was like, we're going we're gonna to get at it, right? Monday morning, I showed up wearing my mask, and I'm here, and I'm, Jerry and I meet on Monday morning. We call this meeting the meeting of the minds, um, just because we like to entertain ourselves. Um, but this meeting, I said, I have 11 things I want to talk to you about. And she's like, oh, okay. So she went through her list of probably not 11 things, four things, she says, um, And I said, all right, I got 11 things I want to talk about. By number two, she was like, are we done? Can we, we, I'm ready to be done with this this meeting. And I went away and I was really, really frustrated inside. Like, abnormally frustrated. And and I went home and she was like, I will do whatever you need for me to do to, to help make these things go better. And I was like, I don't know if the thing that we're choosing to do is the right thing. And I got up the next morning, and I'm wandering around the bathroom with brushing my teeth. I'm trying to talk while I'm brushing my teeth. And I said to her, she's like, do you want me to paint that, or do you not want me to paint? I'm like, I don't know. And I left, and I was just frustrated. And I was like, God, what are we doing? What are we doing? Why do I have 11 things that I'm dissatisfied by, but it seems like... Nobody else notices. Is this the right things or am I off base? And on my drive to this building Tuesday morning, the Lord said, the purpose of this church is to seek and save the lost. To the degree that you do what I'm doing in that way, I will resource you. But I make no guarantees to resource anything else. And I got here and I was like, I figured it out. It's something I've sort of been like internally wrestling with. Some of you don't, most of you don't know this because you're not on our board. I asked our board to make me a half-time employee about a month ago because I'm like, we have to be with lost people. We have to be with lost people. And so I'm now half-time here and the other half of my time I'm driving Uber on purpose as a choice because I want to be with lost people. I want to be with people who are far from Jesus I think that's the call of God to this church. And so some of you will know that today is not the beginning of Advent, even though the thing says 
Nothing. It says nothing. It says a sermon series for Advent. Some, anybody know, some of you read, read your email and you do know what today is in the church calendar. Anybody know what today is in the church calendar? <laughs> Thanks. Anybody? So all of you that get the email, don't read it. Cool. Love it. Um, in the email, it said, today is actually Christ the King Sunday. It's Christ the King Sunday, which is the last Sunday in the church calendar. So I was going to ask for you to forgive me for just jumping right ahead to Advent, but since none of you read it and none of you know it and none of you are offended by that, we're just going to start Advent sort of today. And Advent is like this season where, where we prepare for the coming again of Jesus while we remember that Jesus has come before. Advent means arrival. It's a, it comes from Adventus. means arrival. That in this season, the church remembers that Jesus Christ has come while we look with anticipation for when he will come again. And what I want to do today is set up the four-week Advent season by getting again at the point of why Jesus came. If we are the people of God in this world, if the church is the, is the continuation of the ministry of Jesus, then what was the point of Jesus coming and what is the point of the church's existence? And so I want to set that up a little bit. I want to set it up by, by reading a story that some of you will be familiar with, and I want to pray before I read the, the story. And so would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I welcome you into this place. And I recognize, Lord, that we can do nothing without you. That we are desperate for you. That we need you. And so, Lord, as I speak, Lord, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you come, Lord? Would you get a hold of our hearts today? Fill this place with your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you will be familiar with this story because there's a song that goes along with the story. Some of you will know it, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. You know, this, you know the song? Anybody want to sing it? Sure. This is Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. Here's what we read. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I don't know how much of 
the life of Jesus you've had an opportunity to read about. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels cover the life of Jesus from four different perspectives. And everywhere Jesus goes, he draws a crowd. Have you noticed this? Jesus always has a crowd around him. And when the crowd gets a little bit too big, he says something ridiculous and they leave. Some of you don't know that some of the ridiculous things. That at one point, Jesus has this crowd around him and he says, listen, unless you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you can have no part of me. People are like, whoa, uh, didn't know we were signing up for cannibalism. This is a little bit weird, Jesus. Is that what you really mean? He says, my flesh and my blood, unless you consume them, you can have no part of me. And John says that many left, such that Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, what about you? Are you going to leave too? And the response was, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus gets this group of people all the time. This crowd follows Jesus. And when the crowd gets a little bit too big, he says something a little bit ridiculous or seemingly ridiculous, and it thins the crowd. And we get to this place in Luke chapter 19 where Jesus is surrounded by a crowd again. And most of the time when Jesus is surrounded by a crowd, there, you could sort of make the crowd into two groups. One of the groups in, in any crowd that Jesus has is all of the people who have been at some level trying to follow the law. The belief being that if we follow the law to a T, that the Messiah will come, God's rule and reign will come in this place. That's the point. And so at some level, one of the groups is people who have been trying to do that. Now, it's, it's people from like religious teachers. It's uh, teachers of the law. It's the, the scribes, the Pharisees, all these people that you've heard of who have given their lives to knowing this stuff. It's people who have memorized the entirety of the law. Most of us have memorized a handful of verses. These guys memorized the first five books of the Bible. Just, by just to recite. So it's people all the way from that level, all the way down to, you know, your average run-of-the-mill mom who's trying to get the kids to synagogue on time, and there's the fight on the way, right? You know that one? Some of you had that fight this morning. It's the retired guy who's sort of like the old grandfather who's just glad to see that we're still reading the same old passages again. And we're just calling people back to it one more time. These average run-of-the-mill people who are trying to live according to the law because if we live according to the law, then Messiah will come. That's one group, right? It's all of these people that when Jesus shows up, their immediate thought is, do you fit? We've seen you do crazy things. You do miracles. People can see all this stuff. We've seen you teach in a way that we've not seen any of our teachers teach. We've seen you do some things, we've seen you say some things, and we're a little bit intrigued. But the question that we want to ask you, Jesus, is do you fit? And every once in a while you say things that make us think you don't. But they've come because they're curious. The other group of people in every crowd that Jesus has is a group of people who are also curious, but they're curious for a different reason. They're people who have not given their lives to the, the enacting of the law. They're not really given their lives to the study of it. They've really given their lives to taking care of themselves, right? Look out for number one. 
And they're curious about this guy that they thought was never actually going to come. And this guy, Jesus, who shows up claiming to be the Messiah, they're curious. They've heard some things. They've heard about the guy that he raised from the dead. Wow, that's a crazy thing. They've heard about the guy who couldn't see and now he can see. They've heard about the guy who couldn't walk and now he can walk. And they're curious. But they have no belief at all that they deserve any kind of real relationship with this guy. They're just curious. Either of these two groups of people show up in every crowd that Jesus has. And what's interesting in any crowd, this crowd would probably be very similar. What's interesting in any crowd is if you give them enough time, they start to sort themselves out by a hierarchy, don't they? They start to sort of go, well, you know, here's where I fall in the pecking order. That guy's memorized the whole first five books of the Bible. I only know one of them, so I'm a little bit below him. But that guy over there, he's a tax collector, and he extorts his own people. He steals from his people. He's rich, yes, but he got it by taking advantage of his own people. So I know I'm above him. That lady over there, you know, she's had two husbands now, so I'm, I'm above her. Any group, right? And this group is no different. Any group, people start sorting themselves. They start looking around and going, well, well, I think I'm probably better than that person. But I'm probably not as good as this person. And we all in the group know who is the bottom. We all know who doesn't belong, who, doesn't, who really shouldn't be here. They're the misfit. They're the one who's uncomfortable. Trust me, I'm not talking about you if you think I'm talking about you. It's not you. There's none of those here. But in this story, everybody knows the one who doesn't belong. And if Jesus wanted to, he could have asked anyone else in that whole crowd, hey, I want to stay with you tonight. And everybody would have been okay with it. Everybody in the crowd would have been fine if he chose the family that's just struggling to make it to synagogue and... They have the marital spat on the way. And then they say before they walk in, you know, put on your smile, we've got to act right. These people can't know. They stay with, if Jesus were to stay with them. But this is the one person that Jesus can't stay with and have any integrity whatsoever with most of them. And what Jesus does is he walks right up to Zacchaeus. It's the one guy and he says, I'm going to stay at your house tonight. Why does he do that? Why does Jesus grab a hold of the one guy that everybody knows he's not supposed to talk to? And of course, the end of the story says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, this isn't the only place that Jesus does this. Seems like everywhere he shows up, He's supposed to hang out with this group of people, and he chooses the other one. Over and over and over, it doesn't matter which story. And when he shows up in the places, some of you have read these, when he shows up in the places with the people he's supposed to hang out with, all he does is make them mad. He shows up and gets just critical of all the things that they're doing. Some of you know these stories. Why does Jesus prefer the one person that he's not supposed to care about. 
See, that's the thing. That is the person Jesus is here for. What's interesting is that Jesus shows up and he says, I'm here for the sake of the lost. And it's not that he's here just for Jewish people. He is. But he's here for the people who know they have no business being in relationship with Jesus. He's here for the people who claim no rights or ownership. And what's interesting about the whole other group of people who's very angry that Jesus is hanging out with Zacchaeus, what's true is that he's there for them if they'll just humble themselves. That the dividing line in the kingdom is not between the moral and the immoral. It's not between the right and the wrong. It's not between the conservative and the liberal. The line in the kingdom is between the prideful and the humble. And the one that Jesus chooses is the one who will humble themselves. There's a very interesting thing that happens in this passage that I think matters for us. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus and he says, I'm going to stay at your house tonight. And this is the invitation to somebody that everybody knows has no business hanging out with Jesus. Including Zacchaeus. He knows he has no business. And when the invitation comes to you, when Jesus extends the invitation, the invitation is for right now. The invitation is not figure it out, think how you, you know, if you want me to stay at your house, I will, otherwise I'm going to go hang out with this guy. The invitation is not like, well, if you can get everything in order, if you can get your house cleaned up before I show up there, well, then maybe I'll come. The invitation is, I'm staying at your house, do you say yes? The invitation for all of us is, when Jesus extends the invitation, what do you say? Do you say yes? Do you say yes right now? I would imagine in this room, most of you, at some point, have said yes to Jesus. At some point in your life, you've said yes to Jesus. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be here. Most of you said yes to Jesus, and all of you who have said yes to Jesus didn't say yes to Jesus because Jesus was like, well, that's the one I want because he's so smart. That's the one I want. She's got so much money. That's the one I want. She's got all the great ideas. That's the one I want. He's brilliant in a team environment. You see, none of us got into this because we were so great. The reason that's true is because every true relationship with Jesus has to be based on grace. The fact is, none of us show up to Jesus with anything to offer. And the reason the group of people that's upset with Jesus is upset with Jesus is because they're trying to say, look at my religious observance. I deserve to have you come to my house. Look, I've memorized the Bible. I've been super generous. I've given so much money. I've given so much time. You should come and have relationship with me. And Jesus says, I can't have relationship with you unless you come with nothing. 
It's the way relationship works with Jesus. Is that you show up with nothing because it's all based on grace. All of it. You contribute nothing but maybe your brokenness. It's the one thing he'll allow you to contribute is your brokenness to the equation. But do you remember the moment that you said yes to Jesus? Do you remember that moment? Those of you who were, who, who, who have said yes to Jesus, just show hands. How many of you remember what that was like? Do you remember that? Do you remember what it was like all around that space when you discovered that there was nothing else you wanted but Jesus? When it seemed too good to be true that he would come for you? When it seemed like I better jump on this deal because it may never come again because I know myself and this invitation seems too good to be true? Do you remember that? Do you remember what it was like to feel like you were on the outside and feel like you were getting sort of a snuck in because you got to be part of it? I remember feeling like when I gave my life to Jesus, it felt like there was nothing I wouldn't surrender to have him. Nothing. I would give up my career. I would give up all my money. I didn't have any money. I would give, there was not a relationship I wouldn't give up. Some of you knew I was chasing a girl whenever I found Jesus. And right after that, the relationship that I had with this girl ended. Because there was nothing that was going to get in the way of this thing that I had with Jesus. And when you look at Zacchaeus' response... It says he welcomed him gladly. And everybody judges Zacchaeus and they're judge Jesus and they're like, what are you doing with this guy? And here's the response that Zacchaeus gives. Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. He said, there's nothing that I'm going to hold on to if it keeps me from you. There's nothing I'm going to hold on to if it keeps me apart from you. Do you remember that feeling when you were invited into relationship with Jesus and you were like, there's nothing that I want more than this? Sadly, what happens over time is that we begin to sort of like stockpile these things, these accomplishments, don't we? These achievements. Remember, not terribly long after I gave my life to Jesus, I had read through the whole Bible. I start walking around. I've read the whole Bible. And I started saying, well, you know, we've, we've started giving a whole 10%. It's in our budget now. This thing. We show up every single Sunday. We even volunteer. I start stockpiling these things, right? These things, these accomplishments, these achievements that put me in a certain place in a hierarchy. And over a period of time, 
I've moved from this, I will let nothing get in the way of the grace I've received in Jesus, to Jesus saved me, but look at all these things I've done since. Any of you relate to that? And now instead of being a work of grace, you start pointing at all the things that you've done. I've learned some Greek words now. I could read some Hebrew stuff now. I lead a small group now. I preached a sermon once. Right? I led worship in this place. And instead of being this miraculous work of grace that Jesus was working in the world, you start to become this hierarchy, this, this sum total of things that you could do. And you know what happens when you do that? You start seeing all the people who haven't done quite as much as you. I haven't served on as many boards as I've served on. I haven't done as much devotional time as me. When you do that, maybe we can talk, right? And you start stockpiling all these things, and I can point out, and I can say, that person doesn't fit. And I go from being the Zacchaeus in the story to being all the people who are angry that Jesus is hanging out with the Zacchaeus in the story. Have you been there? Have you ever... Hold on. So what happens when you don't have notes, right? Have you ever showed up here on a Sunday and been like, man, you know, worship just didn't really hit me like it's supposed to. Just really, you know, it's just not, it's just not the same as it was. You, know, you used to feel all the things, and now I don't really feel the things. That person who prayed for me, they didn't really have the words that I needed. That message, it was just so-so. He should have used his notes. <laughs> I mean, I used to go to that small group, but it just really doesn't do it for me anymore. And I just really want to go deeper. That's what I need. I just need deeper. It's too surface. It's too, they asked me to do things. I don't like that. I'm going to go deeper. Have you ever found yourself in that space? Have I called all of you yet? I can keep going, but this will just get more uncomfortable. And the reason that happens is because we've moved from this space of being the work of grace that Jesus was doing in the world to being the one who has stockpiled all the things and makes judgments about what God is doing in the world. This thing that we do on a Sunday morning dries up over time. Do you know that? Some of you are like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know that. It dries up unless, unless you stay attached to the work of grace that Jesus is acting in the world. If you don't stay primarily attached to the work of grace that Jesus is working in the world, do you know what we need to keep your attention? We need smoke machines. We need lasers. <laughs> we need to crank the volume to 140 decibels. 
Because we need to keep your attention, right? And I need to dance a little bit, which I don't do for almost anybody. And we need to, like, make sure we get some skinny jeans. And we need to, like, profile the right people. Maybe we get it. Never mind, that would gets a little close. That, was, that almost came out. Yeah, I'm not going to say that one. Um, what I'm saying is we have to do more and more stuff to entertain you when you move away from the work of grace Jesus is doing in the world. Otherwise, you stop coming to this thing because, quite frankly, we show up every week and we sing mostly the same songs. And it's just always me. This is, I don't look good in skinny jeans. I might try it one time in a dressing room somewhere. What I'm trying to say is unless we're completely attached to the work of grace that Jesus is doing in the world, you need all of those things to keep you coming back. We need better scones and better bagels. We don't even have bagels or scones unless Nate shows up with scones. We need better coffee. We need, you know, we need more things to entertain you unless, unless you stay connected to the work of grace Jesus is doing in the world. What is that work of grace? Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's what he said. I don't know if you've ever paid attention to the things that Jesus says out of his own mouth that he came to do. Have you ever read that? You come across these things. I wrote these down. I think I am allowed to use this. I just want to read some of these to you. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's in this verse. Jesus came to do the will of the Father. Jesus came to bring light to darkness. Jesus came to bear witness to the truth. Jesus came to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. To serve and give his life as a ransom. To glorify the Father. There are more. But they're all in the same kind of vein that Jesus came for the sake of those who would not choose him. And unless we stay attached to that, whatever else we do will dry up. And I'm not persistent enough to buy laser lights for you, even though I love you. I'm not buying a smoke machine for you, even though I love you. Because what I want is for this church to be completely attached to the work of grace Jesus is working in the world. Part of that comes by us remembering what it was like to be that one on the outside. That one that nobody cared about, that people talked about, but I chose to go to that one. Be very cognizant of what it was like to be the one on the outside that Jesus welcomed. The other part of this, and I think I'm going to end with this thought, is that if the church is intended 
to be the body of people that Jesus has called out to continue his ministry in the world. That as we look back that Jesus came, why? For the sake of the lost. And that Jesus will come again one day. And we're in the middle of this time. What is our purpose? What do we do in this space? We continue the ministry of Jesus. The church exists to seek and to save the lost. This body of people exists to seek and to save the lost. We join Jesus in the places that everybody thinks we shouldn't go because there are sinners there. But we do so because we love Jesus and we know that he loves these people. Everything we do in this church needs to be run through the lens of seeking and saving the lost. Everything. Some people will be like, well, what about discipleship? That's really, really important. Do you know the purpose of discipleship is so that you can better represent Jesus in the world to seek and to save the lost? That's the point of discipleship. Discipleship is not an end in itself. It is a means to the end. What about Holy Spirit ministry? Aren't we the vineyard? Yes, we are the vineyard. Do you know the purpose of Holy Spirit ministry? Is to demonstrate a life that is not possible, but that God empowers it so that we can seek and save the lost. That's the point of Holy Spirit ministry. What about justice and mercy? That's our thing. We've been talking about this for four weeks, Derek. Yeah, do you know the point of justice and mercy? That we work in the world the justice and the mercy of God so that people can see what God is like so that the lost will come home. Everything we do in this church is for that purpose. Everything. If you lead a team and you're in this room, I'm not going to call you out by name. Maybe I should, but I won't. If you're on a team or you lead a team in this room, the mission statement of your team is to seek and to save the lost. Why does hospitality team exist? To seek and to save the lost. We provide a hospitable atmosphere so that when the lost come home, they feel welcome. What's the point of tech ministry? To seek and to save the lost. We provide an environment such that when the lost come home, they can hear and they can see clearly what's happening. That it feels hospitable. What's the point of worship? Some of you are like, aha, got you, Derek. That one's for us. Do you remember back, some, gosh, here we go. I'm going to date myself just a little bit. Some of you weren't born, but... In the 80s, Mark, Mark laughs at me. Back in the olden days, Micah, <laughs> when the vineyard started and, and there was uh, Maranatha, some of you will know that name, and a bunch of these folks that started kind of came out of the Jesus People revival in the 70s, the beginning of the 70s. They started singing songs with guitars and drums, using words that made sense to normal people. And what happened in that space 
was the people of God could give voice to their worship to God, and at the same time, those who were far from him could get saved in worship because the presence of God came and they had words to sing that made sense to them. So many of the songs in the 80s and the 90s even, sorry, once you were born, we had already corrupted the whole thing. So many of the songs that were written were songs with words that made sense to normal people. Change my heart, oh God. Do you know the song? Make it ever true. You could get saved in worship because we gave you words to sing to your creator that made sense to you. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. That when you found your way into the environment with words that made sense in the people of God worshiping, you had an encounter with the God of the universe and you could get saved in worship. And what happened over time is we started saying, well, we need to entertain the people of God, so we're going to start using words that don't make sense to people unless they've read the whole Bible. We're going to start making this more entertaining for those who are already saved. And do you know what happened? We forgot the work of grace that was happening in the world through Jesus. And we stopped putting words in the mouths of people who needed to sing them. And all of a sudden, this became unintelligible again. Yes, worship exists for us to exalt our creator, to rightly posture ourselves as in need of a savior. And that in and of itself propels us into the world for the sake of the lost. But do you know what worship is also supposed to do? It's to put words in the mouths of people who need to sing something to their creator and have an encounter with God. The mission of worship should be to seek and to save the lost. There's not a team in this church that should not staple that at the top of their mission statement. There's not a group in this church that shouldn't staple that at the top of their mission statement. We exist to seek and to save the lost. And it's quite possible that by trying to give a mission statement that has words that I thought made sense to transform the spaces we inhabit by the power of the gospel, I've diluted what it is that we exist for. This church exists for the sake of the lost. We exist to seek and to save the lost, which looks like transforming the spaces we inhabit by the power of the gospel. Friends, we can't get away from this. And I won't. And I hope that you won't. So as we enter into this Advent season, where we remember that Jesus came, we, and we know that he's coming again, the point is for the sake of the lost. That's the whole point. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ.
With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.